Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Hey, beautiful, and welcome back. Today, we're diving in with Sarah E. Boyle, an inspiring visual artist based in Chicago. Sarah is known for her recent series of Night Windows, where she creates a framework to explore the overlooked moments found in everyday life. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to chat with you guys today. Oh, I can't wait to chat with you. And, you know, as I read your intro, I was like, I say recent series, but actually your Night Windows series is one that has been going on for 16 years. So I'd love to start the conversation by having you just tell our listeners a little bit about this incredible series of work and how it's evolved over time. I started this back at the end of my um, experience in art school at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, where I found myself really focusing in on a lot about point of view and depth and things that were just kind of surrounding me in my ordinary life. And at the time I was living in a high rise, which at night was just like kind of an amazing experience to like look out and not know like how far away the lake was. And like, you could also see right into like so many people's homes and I did a very large painting that kind of like referenced like my view from my window um, at nighttime. And then that concept just really got to me. And I, you know, I presented it to my class and like everybody was quiet. And so I kind of knew I was like, this is what I want people to to experience and feel when they look at my work. Like they're not trying to overanalyze it. They can just feel it, experience it internally and enjoy it. So With that, I made some other larger paintings. I started experimenting a little bit with making up scenes of my own, including figures of people that maybe weren't real, but kind of trying trying to induce some sort of narrative with these people. And then um, I also started to expand it a little bit when I moved out of Chicago and went back to Indianapolis for a little bit. And I was working and I was like, I want to make a painting a day. Like, how can I just really make sure that I'm practicing every single day? And I was like, well, I have this night windows concept and I can gather all of these reference images and then I can do one of these four by six minis every single day just to keep my hand moving. And then it grew into a huge collection. And then um, as I was going through that, I started to think about my dreams and more in narrative and then connecting back to like the reality of where I was because I was kind of stuck in a place where I like wasn't really sure where I was going with my art. I moved away from the city. I had graduated art school, which I know Victoria, you've mentioned when you kind of leave that space, you're kind of like, who do I connect with? Like, how do I make my work? Um, where am I going with it? And it was just such a good body of work to keep me rooted and keep me moving. And then to kind of bounce off and go in different tangents, whether I was doing paper collage or I was doing medium sized paintings where I was playing with even not using the black void of the canvas, but playing with other colors And then even just with materials, like I want a really flat, matte, like ground against these windows. 
Um, so I guess just, it was like a very simple concept that all of a sudden I just started asking a lot of questions around. And at the same time, you know, I could, I could take a night window from a place I was visiting on a short term, or I could just go on these little rides around familiar places, or I would just be like out in some space and I would like look around and be like, that's an awesome night window. And I, I'd snap an, an image for myself or I'd take it back later. So that's kind of how it's morphed and evolved. I put it down and picked up other projects and then always come back to it. So it really has lived with me for a very long time, my most of my art career. I love that. And thank you for sharing all of that. I think that you know, having first seen your series of night windows, I think maybe a year and a half ago, I was so taken back. Like I totally felt that sense of magic and mystery. And it reminded me so much. I mean, I've spent so much of my life in New York and New York City, like walking around at night and you, you know, you're kind of peering mm-hmm. the windows and the apartment buildings and you have this genuine curiosity of like how other people live their lives. And it's one of my favorite things to do in the evening. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> that sounds so creepy. But like we all do it. We all peer into windows. We all t- look at and there's something that's so cozy about it as well when you're mm-hmm. on the outside looking in. But really your series is so powerful and I think anytime you spend spend like, you know, 16 years, like a significant amount of time developing something to see it grow and change shape and uh, you know, I've really seen you go so much deeper with this series, even just in the last year. You've created so many new paintings. You've really expanded it. I think it's it's you've gone, uh, you've really taken it to a new place. I guess is the best way of putting it. And I feel like there is this beautiful narrative that unfolds. This sense of mystery. It feels very cinematic, which I think is also probably why I'm so drawn to it. But I'd love to also hear a little bit about some of your other projects. You are an amazing landscape painter as well. So for anyone listening, you've got to check out Sarah's landscapes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how your landscape has worked to get worked alongside the Night Windows series? And like my first memories were formed living in Colorado. And I remember when I was drawing like as a little kid, like the things I like to draw were like landscapes, my dogs you know, some still life, but like a lot of like mountains and like just places I wanted to be. The more I started painting, I, I like painting the figure, but I would more like connecting back to this image of like a place where like people could literally step into it. And then when I was trying to decide like what kind of art I wanted to do, I was like, well, I want it to be really connected to my experiences and my trips and my travels and places that I've been and kind of like almost like recording a history of that. Um, Because I do feel like, you know, there are little moments like flashes of things that we see and it could be a place or a view of some sort that like stops us in our tracks and like makes us think. And that's kind of what I I feel like it's the best part about like at least 2D still images where like it can just be a non-moving image that all of a sudden there's all of this activity happening in your mind, whether it's like memories or trying to understand what a thing is, um, depending on the style, truly. So I've done some projects about going to Italy. My grandmother is Italian and she used to talk about Italy so much, but she had never actually been to the place. And Italo Calvino has a fantastic book called Invisible Cities. And it's all about 
Marco Polo um, telling Kublai Khan about all of his kingdoms and describing them in these great details. Um, Italo Calvino is considered a magical realist. And at the same time, the book says that with every story that Marco Polo would tell, he also kind of cast this familiarity of Venice of his home on top of it. And so I guess that was like one of the big ways I got connected with place and landscape. I think it started off as place more so than landscape. And then I was like, well, every time I go on a trip, I want to like record like cinematically, like what I'm feeling and thinking and any time that it's kind of like unfamiliar, it stops you and you just notice and you feel things so differently when they're unfamiliar and you can make a connection to those places in those moments. And so I've also done a series about gardens. Then I saw, I went to Monet's home in Giverney and as a painter, like there's no escaping Monet, but to actually be in the location where he made these paintings is kind of unbelievable. So I use reference from that and did a series. I got married in Colorado uh, in 2020, which that speaks volumes about the time, but there are also these incredible wildfires that are happening. And this is a place I've been to so much in my life in Estes Park. And it was unreal how orange and misty and like kind of like Mars and otherworldly this environment looked. And again, in the scope of 2020 and everything that each individual person might be feeling, um, these really were my most like magical landscapes, even though they're like very kind of based in realism. And then I like to just record like trips and times with my friends or my husband. Um, He's in so many of my paintings, even when he's gone on trips to Iceland and, you know, so he kind of pops up. He's one of the few figures I think that I've done the most of. I love hearing about like how, I mean, you've done so much and, you know, I've seen your work grow and evolve and uh, I've seen you expand your series of landscapes. And I've seen you further develop your Night Window series. And I think this sense of place is something that permeates your work. And you do it so well. I mean, not just from a technical standpoint, but it's interesting because the paintings could be, you know, when when I'm thinking about your garden series, for example, like, but if I'm not looking at the caption or any context, I would have no idea where that garden series is, but I feel that personal connection to it. And I also feel like the work is very pers- very connected to you personally. Um, Trees with Sunspot is one of my all-time favorites. It's such a gorgeous, like, oh my gosh, such a gorgeous piece. But it was interesting to learn more about that series because initially when I was looking at the work, I didn't realize that it was centered on the wildfires. Uh, but you do bring that magic into everything that you paint so and we had you in the show in Tribeca which was so amazing oh my gosh that was so incredible to be a part of I mean thank you so much for reaching out and be like let's do this and you know what we got it done we did it and it was awesome it was such a beautiful show truly like your eye and your curation is exceptional and you made such a beautiful show by connecting all of us together. And yeah, it was amazing. One of my favorite experiences ever as an artist was doing that. Thank you so much. It was really special to have you in the show. And, you know, as I've told you many times, like you were truly one of the first artists that I thought of because your work just fits so well. I mean, the the show was called The Lens Through Which We See and how contemporary landscape painters explore place 
you know, filtered through their own lens, through their own uh, perceptions and experiences. And I will never forget seeing the crowd of people by the front door of the gallery just gathered around your amazing painting. Like it was so outstanding. And there was, you could just feel like it was palpable. You could feel how connected people were uh, to your painting and to your work. It was, it felt very celebratory and it was just, yeah, it was so special to have you in the show. <laughs> it was such a highlight. Yeah, it was truly magical to, I mean, and yes, I'm smiling a lot right now because it just was so magical to like how much energy kind of came in. Yeah, it, you know, when I was walking up to the gallery and I saw my painting in the front, like I was like, what? Like, what is that? <laughs> like, you know, just to see it in that context was so different, you know, like it is truly like I spend a lot of time in the studio, but then when you get to see your art up, in conversation, in dialogue with other artists and kind of that whole experience is just something different. It's like, it doesn't even belong to me at that point anymore. It's like, you know, it is, totally. it's, that is the moment I feel like I, I let go of it being mine is when people come in and view the work, whatever it might be. And they have these relationships with it. And I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, I'm like, I don't even feel like that artist that made that thing. All of a sudden, we're just in a dialogue with that person's experience and the way they're viewing, you know, and connecting back. So I think that's like one of the most beautiful things about art is when the work finally comes out of the studio and it goes up in a gallery or wherever it is, but you put it out into the world. And then, as you're saying, like, the viewers start to come and have their own connections and their own personal relationships to the work and they all see something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's when the work truly becomes activated, like in this different way. Uh, and it's so powerful, like exhibits are so powerful because you get to see that happening in real time. And it's like this beautiful thing, this very powerful experience where you can feel the energy and you know, you I remember as I was walking through the opening reception and I was just seeing people just deeply connecting with the work and the conversations that were happening. Yeah, it was amazing. Okay, and if you, I was going to ask, if you don't mind sharing, because yeah. I feel like you had so many, how would I say, like moments of growth. I feel like you've grown so much on in so many ways, just getting to know you, having the absolute privilege of getting to know you and, and work working with you over the last year and a half. And I have seen you, I've seen your work grow and develop and expand, but I've also seen that for you on a personal level, on an artistic level. Can you tell us a little bit about how you felt leading up to the show and what came out of it for you outside of these gorgeous paintings, of course? Yeah. I mean, so number one, I highly recommend anybody who is considering to have you be their mentor, like do it and do not think twice. It is hundred percent worth it. Like you'll grow so much because I think when I initially, we started working together, I was like, I'm going to learn some practical skills around my website and selling things. And, you know, I'm going to gain all this. Oh my gosh. Like you don't realize really how much your work really kind of growing and developing as an artist, as an entrepreneur, like it all comes back to like what you have to kind of like get over internally and like book club has been also a really great place for that community to kind of like, you know, cat, like bring these things that you might be thinking about like to light so that you can kind of be like, Oh, okay. Like 
you know, I'm having some trouble with like some fears or uncertainty or like taking risks, all of those things. And like, how am I going to navigate that space? Um, so, you know, we had gone through a lot of things where I like just did some tweaks. I had, um, I got my store up and running, you know, I figured out how to get some prints made, how to do a little bit more marketing and like, not worry that I'm bothering people by sharing my work or if I am, that's okay. They don't have to subscribe to that, you know, like, but still like get excited, get your work out there, you know, share it with people because there are people that really love it and want to see it and just own it, own what you want to do. You reached out, I think it was end of January for show in April. And it was like, okay, we're going to do two, five by six foot paintings. And, you know, we're going to do it in Tribeca. And I was like, awesome. Okay. So the practical side of me started thinking about like how much time materials, all of those things. But at the same time, you know, there was like this little fear that popped up. I was a swimmer for like 10 years. And anytime I had to do like a 400 IM or a big race that I would be so nervous about, I would kind of like getting this little like ball of like tension of like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I can make it happen. And just like seeing it happen and be like, you know what, just get to the studio, reach out to the helpers, the people who are going to build your panels for, for you. Shout out to Chicago panels because Boris made my panels for me in like two weeks time, turned it around and delivered to me. I practiced my paintings. I had it done like five by six format in at least 10 years So I put paper up on the wall and just started like getting my body moving in that kind of space again. And then just kind of went full in like attack mode on it. And I was like, okay, like, what do you have to do? Let's figure it out. Just make it work. Don't think about it. Like, and um, once I think I started just checking off all of my like tasks and everything, it all fell into place. Um, And after that, I realized like, yeah, there's always going to be uncertainty with any new thing I try. I think it was like the things that are unknown, things that I've never done before. Like if you don't, you don't have to know the answers. It's new. It's going to be different. Like buckle up, like don't be afraid. Lean on the people that are going to help you with that. I had, I mean, my husband again, he helped me so much through that process. Um, a really good friend of me, Nick Hassong, who is um, a designer, a projection designer. He really was like a great guy. He's always been a big champion. Like just lean in on your community. Like, no, you're not by yourself trying to figure all these things out and like everything will come together, you know? So. Aww, I'm so proud of you. Like, I, I really mean that because it is scary having to make two enormous paintings in such a short amount of time. And you have to send them to a different city and you haven't painted that way in a decade, but you showed up and you delivered and you know what? It's when you do that time and time again, that's when your confidence grows. And I feel like it really did for you through that process because you realize like, I can do this. Like I've got this. And if that situation ever comes up again, where you have an opportunity and this is like for any artist listening as well, and that uncertainty, that fear creeps up you know, lean, acknowledge that, like recognize that, but also um, trust yourself because the more we practice trusting ourselves, the more we just start to trust ourselves and our decisions 
intuitively and we we don't second guess ourselves as much and it really is like even for me i mean it is a practice you know <laughs> it's like yes I, we're all still practicing that you have to be very mentally kind of in tune with what's going on um at the same time you know so yeah. that was a yeah. that was the skill i feel like we I kind of explored and went through where it'd be very easy to kind of go back into my patterns. Like I'm on the patient short or the patient long game, but sometimes it's like, there's no time like the present to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was amazing. And, um, yeah, just the, the show was a huge highlight, but also everything that you did leading up to that. And, you know, you mentioned like such an important point, which is, you know, the practical skills, like marketing your work and uh, re- you know expanding your collector base and reaching out to people to share showing up and sharing your work and all of that. We talk about this a lot on the podcast, but those things happen when your mindset is strong, when you believe in yourself and when you embrace an abundant mindset, all of that takes practice. you know it's ongoing for all of us. But I think that when you start to remove some of those blocks and you start to t- start the process of tackling those limiting beliefs, because we all have them. And this is also something we've talked so much about in the VAC so book much. club. So much. <laughs> because there's a lot to unpack there. You know, we all have limiting beliefs. And because the thing is, as soon as you get to the next level, like when you get to the next level in your art career or when you get to the next level in your journey as a creative entrepreneur, new fears will arise. So it's like, then you, then you tackle those then you get to the next level, new fears arise, and then you tackle those. And that's just in my experience and in the experience of so many artists and creatives I've talked to, that is just kind of what happens. Mm -hmm. So it's like being really aware of what those fears are, but not allowing them to stop you. And I've seen you actively, you know, tackle some of the limiting beliefs that, you know, perhaps we're holding you back a little bit. And through that, I've seen you just become so much more confident in sharing your work. And it's been like such an incredible thing to, I don't know, just be a part of. And I can't wait no. to see what <laughs> what happens next for you. No. Well, I mean, thank you. Cause it's honestly, it's, it's always been my dream to do these things. And, you know, you don't even know what you're doing to get in your own way sometimes. Um, yeah you really don't know like what you've been telling yourself internally for so long that stops you until like, honestly, like it is so much about like, I'm so grateful for the visionary art community that we have. I never would have expected that that was going to be my like unlock truly. Um, I just had no idea really how to figure things out until, you know, I kind of joined up with you guys. So, and the resources you've created are just so unbelievably helpful. And honestly, it's like, it's kind of funny. It's like, we don't really get that in art school. You know, you don't get half of like, half of the like support and well, I mean, in different ways, but you don't get like that community and that like, how do you really be an entrepreneur? And it's, I don't know, art school is such a short time frame in the grand scheme of a person's art career too. So you got to keep doing the work. Keep doing the work because there's always work to be done for as long as we are alive. But yeah, I think that so much of uh, becoming a successful artist, depending on what you know success means to you and how you define it, um, and getting to that next level, 
has to do, I feel like there's a direct correlation between what you believe you deserve and what you believe you're capable of. And then what actually happens, you know, because uh, you have to believe in yourself in order to, you know, like bring to life what it is you're envisioning, what it is you're calling in. And I feel like I've seen you just as time has gone on, like believe in yourself more and more. And, you know, these opportunities that you have right now are really exciting. I don't know if there's anything that you are able to talk about. Is it all under wraps? It's a little all (laughs) under wraps only because, you know, I'm really waiting for things to kind of solidify a little bit more. But I can say like being invited internationally to apply to something it feels amazing. And it's kind of like, it's more clarifying on like, what do I want to do, you know, with my career long-term, like, where do I want to be? Which I know you talk about all the time with like setting goals, manifesting, like what kind of an artist you want to be, what you want your work to be. Um, So that's been incredible. I do have quite a few little media spots coming out in print publication and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to doing another, another studio sale in the very near future for the new year. So, but aside from that, there's some other little things kind of cooking in the hopper, which is great. It's so good to be busy. I love it. Um, I love all of the different opportunities that presented themselves. And, you know, I will say like one of the things you kind of said, and I kind of keep in mind a lot is like courage is not the absence of fear, you know? And I think that is really like, it's okay if you're, you know, kind of unsure or feeling a little afraid or noticing that when you're taking on new opportunities, but like you can still be courageous even if you're fearful. So. Yes. Yes. I think that's such a, such an important takeaway. And like, you've demonstrated that even with, you know, the Tribeca show, you demonstrated that firsthand. And it is, it's something we've also spoken a little bit about on the podcast, but I'm such a advocate for starting before you're ready because when are we ever truly ready? I don't think I've ever <laughs> felt 100% ready for anything I've done, like any big thing that I've really done in my life. It always uh, feels scary. And actually, if it doesn't feel scary, if you don't have some nerves around whatever that thing is, you probably don't care about it very much. <laughs> right. Like if, you, if you care about something, if you're genuinely excited, you know, or you feel like you're about to level up, that is typically when the fear crops up. But yeah, just remembering like courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is taking inspired action even when you feel fearful. It's trusting yourself. It's faith over fear. You know, it's something I remind myself of every day. And also I think part of that comes with recognizing that just connecting this sort of to imposter syndrome as well. Like we all have imposter syndrome. I cannot think of one artist or one entrepreneur who hasn't experienced imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. But I think what's important is to recognize that, first of all, you're not alone in that. Uh, but second of all, like you are worthy of the thing that uh, the success that is coming your way. You are worthy of the opportunities. You're worthy of selling your work, getting um, represented by a high-end gallery. And just remembering that if you notice you're comparing yourself, if you notice you're feeling fearful, um, or if you're noticing that imposter syndrome voice creeping in, it, it, that that's normal, you know, because I think sometimes we feel alone in that. So for anyone listening, you're not alone. Sarah, I'm sure has experienced it. I have experienced it. Oh my God, it. I thought I coined that phrase. Like... <laughs> 
like that's getting close to home. Yeah, it happens. And it actually happens more the more that we level up. So like, you know, it's it's very easy. You can you can keep yourself contained in a safe bubble, but that's not where the growth happens. The growth happens when you actively take steps outside of that bubble. And that feels really scary. But oftentimes the fear can actually signify that you're on the right track. I remind True. myself that too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, there's a lot of growth and discomfort, you know, and yes. yep. And you're not alone. That's always yeah. the thing. So. Absolutely. And community is, is such an important thing. Sarah, I wanted to ask you, uh, you've been such a valuable member of our book club community and, you know, participating in our really meaningful discussions about art and creativity and entrepreneurship and, um, and all of that. What, I know that you do a lot of work on like when it comes to mindset and just personal growth, what kinds of things have been helpful for you? Because I've seen you grow so much, like significantly over the past year and a half. So what kinds, do you have daily practices or what kinds of things are helpful for you? I think for me, like a lot of it kind of, so from a practice standpoint, like my sketchbook is like, kind of truly my heart, uh, you know, whether I'm drawing or experimenting or writing a few things, you know, kind of daily to kind of keep myself in in check or just let me explore and play and be creative without any kind of connection to like, this is need, needs to be anything more than something for myself. I think, you know, honestly, the books that we read by Beth Pickens and then speaking with her were incredible. Like uh, the first book that we read, I think it was make your art no matter what. I believe yes. that was the first one. Um, but I do remember kind of like, I listened to the audiobook. I'll be honest, I'm always doing a million things and I work, you know, um, a full-time job too. Um, so there were times where I was listening to the book, getting ready for our book club sessions. And there was like a passage in her, in that book that just kind of like made me cry a little bit. Like it kind of like broke me down. And so I think I really use my time with book club as like my healing check-in and like, didn't even know that I really needed to do that. And there were times where it made me be like, I'm busy. I, I want to keep painting or I have other priorities. And I was like, no, you need to like check into book club be there with like your fellow members and just give yourself like that time and space to be with people. So that was like a really big part of my practice for that mindset work. You know, otherwise, like I try to, I'm not really bound by a normal schedule in any capacity. I do like record my time that I'm in my studio and what activity activities I'm doing. So I kind of can look at that and be like, you're not getting away from your practice. You are actively putting in the time. Like these are the successes. It's been an easy place for me to kind of look at like what I'm focusing on, how much time I'm spending. And so I think Mia's maybe the type A person that's very helpful. I don't know if that would be for everybody. And then, I don't know, give yourself a break every once in a while. Like I think give yourself grace, like let yourself just go like sit in the sunshine and like listen to music or I don't know, you don't have to be working all the time to be productive, you know, and it's better to like be able to put in that good solid time than to burn yourself out. So I like every once in a while, like I'll be like, Nope, today's the day I need a break or I need to go to the zoo or I need to take a walk or spend some time with my dog or, you know, whatever. So I, I would say like, I try to, I feel like I want to be working all the time that's kind of my MO, but every once in a while I just need to just stop 
So Absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge advocate for taking breaks when you can and scheduling them in and taking breaks from your art practice too. Like Mm -hmm. we don't have to be in the studio all the time. We don't have to be producing all the time. I think that is the magic of a sketchbook practice, Um, especially for any artists listening who maybe don't have like a, you know, if you don't have a studio space, if you're in between studio spaces, if you you know, don't really have so much of a designated area to make your work, your sketchbook can become your traveling studio. Like you can bring it. I've really been leaning into my sketchbook practice too. So I love, I love that you shared that. And I also wanted to ask, because I'm sure we have so many listeners who also are working full-time jobs while they balance, you know, their art as they balance uh, moving forward with their art careers. What has been helpful for you in terms of working full-time and um, still making progress as an artist? You know, I, I try to plan a little bit of like what I want to accomplish, like in the front end. So I'll have like kind of a a list of things that I like think about again, going back to like, what's your daily sketchbook practice kind of look like where I'll jot down some ideas for paintings, or I've got myself kind of organized. So on those days where like, they're my full days off, and I'm going to spend like eight, nine hours in studio, I kind of already have uh, in mind what I'm hoping to do and get done. Um, Also, like it doesn't have to look perfect in terms of like where you carve out your time. Like I think I went over to my studio like an hour or two hours before work one day, which I mean, I'm lucky my studio is like a five, 10, five, 10 minute walk from where I live right now. It's very lucky. Um, But I went like two hours before work and just because I was like up all night, like thinking about a thing I wanted to fix on a painting I was working on. So I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to like really do anything else until I go take care of this. So I just woke up early, went and did that and then went off to work. Um, I also, you know, what I do is um, I will take pictures of my work and then I will using like the draw tool, I'll like make edits over top of the, paintings of like things I want to change or things I'm thinking about. Cause again, I'm not like messing with actual work, but I'll wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and just do that. I don't know. This is not like the prescribed for everybody, but like you find your time when you're like really kind of engaged and you're in the zone with it. So. Yeah. I think that's such valuable advice. And I love this idea of you know, working on your painting digitally, taking photos. That's like, so. that's so cool. I love that. And I could see that being really helpful um, because I think that's part of like maximizing your time, even when you're not in the studio and having that option. And I know that you, I don't know if this is something you still do. I think you might've referenced it earlier, but you log your hours, right? Or you did log your hours. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I log my time when I'm in the studio And I kind of put things into buckets. Um, So whether it's like an admin activity or if I'm applying to a show or I'm spending some time on marketing or taking images or setting up for a show or actively painting and drawing, because let's be honest, I want to spend most of my time making the work. And so I will log all of my time. I just have a spreadsheet that I've been kind of running on for many, many years. And it does give me a good idea if like anybody asks me like how long a piece took me, I can give a good ballpark reference on how long. But then again, like, it's the same thing of like, if I like, how do I balance a full time job? Well, I know that something that I want to make is going to take me about six hours to do it. Like, 
I'm not stressing emotionally over it. Like I have like a very practical approach to like getting some stuff done. Now there are times where like being creative and wanting to explore and like letting go of those things, like it's just going to happen like that, you know? So, but it's good. It's a, it's a, it's a good place for me to kind of know what I'm doing with my practice. And, but I treat it like a job. I treat my art practice like it's my job. So I think that that's really what it is, is that you, um, and I was just having this conversation with uh, Tara Esperanza because she said the same thing. I visited her studio in October in Oakland, California. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was doing studio visits out there and she showed me because she records her hours, her studio hours on strips of paper and she had a pile like a huge pile. Uh, And I was like, oh my gosh, is this from like, this must be like 10 years worth of studio hours. She's like, no, this is just from the last three years, but it's amazing. And I think it's so helpful. It might not be for everyone, but I will say, I think for the accountability component is huge. And I think it's such a great tool for holding yourself accountable. uh, This idea of just logging your hours and approaching your work in a professional way, approaching your work the same way that you would with any other job. It, I think we talked a lot about this when we read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, because that's kind of what that whole book is centered on. It's like, take your work seriously, approach mm-hmm. it like you would any job that you would have. And that includes you know, keeping track of your hours. But again, not for everyone, but I do really appreciate that you do that. And I think it could be really helpful. Yeah. And I think even just like, you know, if you treat it like that, like this is the time that's carved out for it. Like sometimes you just got to like show up and get yourself moving. And then, you know, that eventually like will get you in the space of like, you know, you can't just be like, Oh, I'll I'll go to my job tomorrow. You know, no, like you, you have an accountability with it. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's easy. I always say like, it's easy to cancel plans with ourselves. And I think that goes for our work as creatives as well. And sometimes to push it off. A lot of times when I notice myself pushing off my artwork or, you know, time in the studio, I notice that not all the time, but sometimes it's fear-based. Like I'm nervous, especially if I'm feeling rusty or it's been a couple of weeks since I've painted, you know? And so I think just this idea of like showing up when you can, doing what you can with the time you have, even if you're working a full-time job or for some artists, multiple jobs and multiple responsibilities, caregiving, you know, it's, it's not, I always say it's not about having endless hours in the studio. It is just doing what you can with what you have. And I think you really maximize the time that you have and it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know if I am not making my work, I am a different person. (laughs) Like it is like, there's a reason, like, I feel like artists are drawn to, despite so many like circumstances or things that don't make sense, they continue to make their work. And I just know if I don't get in there and do my thing, I'm just not the same person. Like I'm a better person for like going in and making my work, you know, whether it be like a professional or not, you know, I have to make my work. So yeah, when you're an artist, it's, it does affect your well-being and it affects everything. Mm -hmm. uh, If you're not actively making your work, what that's one of my big goals actually for next year too, is to dedicate more time to my creative practice because I've been leaning into that lately and just remembering, reminding myself, and it's the same for you. It's the same for every artist. 
When you show up and make your work, no matter how it turns out, just simply the act of creating, uh, no matter the results, is going to benefit you and pour over into every other part of your life. Every person that you come into contact with will benefit from you prioritizing your creative work. And that's also something Beth Pickens really advocates for. And we had a really powerful discussion um, about that as well. Yeah. She's so cool. Like she's, it was so awesome to meet her. Yeah. And you know, my husband's a performer. He would say the same exact thing. Like he has to perform. He has to be creative. He has to put his effort into his work. So yeah, you just have to. So for anyone listening, if it's been a struggle, if it's, you know, if you're finding it hard to get into the studio, just remember that it's the best thing for you and it doesn't have to be hours and hours. If it's 15 minutes, if it's a 20 minute sketch or just putting down some brush strokes or whatever it might be, just it's like working that creative muscle and just reconnecting, staying connected to your creativity, I think is really the most important thing. Sarah, as we start to wrap up what has been a really, really lovely conversation and a very meaningful one, I wanted to ask you, like, what has been over the past year, we're also recording this episode at the end of 2023, uh, depending on, on when it's released, it could be early 2024, but what has been, like, a big takeaway from this year that you've had? You know, I think I decided back in 2020 that it was kind of like now or never for me in terms of like getting myself to the next level. Um, and that is now like three years in the works of like many actions and steps towards that. Um, I think this last year has been like the fastest amount of like growth and change towards that goal. But I think that like, yes, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like great things in patience, but like, you have today, like, what can you do with today to actively, you know, get yourself to that next level, that next thing? Like, it's all happening right now. You're not waiting for the future. And that's kind of been my big takeaway for this year in terms of like what I've done and the choices that I've made. Um, and, you know, like, that's the, that's the biggest thing I can say is like, yeah. you only have now, you know. Yeah. And you've really prioritized your art practice. You've really prioritized your career as an artist. And that that's just a huge thing. And I think that like this idea of, yes, you have time and we don't need to, sometimes I find myself in a little bit of like a time scarcity with always making things happen, mm-hmm. uh, which is important, but also remembering like you don't necessarily need to be rushing or um, moving at such a fast pace, but at the end of the day, nothing is guaranteed. And like, yeah, it's this idea of what can I do today? What's one thing that I can do today to move in the direction of my dreams? Yeah. You know? Well, and then I think there's another thing we've kind of touched on in terms of like, you know, there's so much preparation that kind of happens when things start to pick up and all of a sudden kind of success seems to just fall into our lap. But at the same time, there's years and years of dedicated preparation that like has kind of happened behind the scenes. So just if you are in doubt, just keep making things, just keep doing it, just keep showing up. And then, you know, all of that preparation will really kind of pay off in the time that it needs to as well. So beautiful words to end on. 
Sarah, thank you so much. Where can our listeners find you uh, on Instagram, your website? I'll include it in the show notes, but feel free to tell us here as well. Yeah. So my Instagram is at Sarah, uh, that's Sarah with an H, E Boyle, B O Y L E underscore painting. And then my website is sarahebyle.com. And those are the two main platforms where you can find my work or they'll get you to the areas that you need to if you want to subscribe to my mailing list or follow along on other fun things that I'm doing. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sarah. And to all of our listeners, as always, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another great conversation and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.